Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. I'm telling you, 2020, it's a big one. Those of you that have been following us when we're talking about the new moon and what we're bringing in from an energetic point of view, you have got to be in the best shape of your life this coming year. That's why we're talking to Julie Brown right here. This is Julie talking to us about, you know what? What does all of that mean? When it comes to your health, we've got to do things in a way that sustains the change and brings in the no pain zone. Julie, great to have you here. Look, you are a nutritional uh, nutrition coach, your program manager at Lifetime. This year, more than ever, I am hearing people talk about the mojo of 2020. I mean, what are you hearing? Are more and more people saying, I got to do it. I got to do it. I got to do it. For sure. New year, new decade. Like there's just so much hype around the energy that is the turn of the year, the turn of the decade. So I think a lot of people are really evaluating what it is that they can do to help to optimize their health, their health and, and fitness, hopefully, and make themselves a little happier going into this new year. I got to tell you, when the last decade started, like in uh, 10, right? Right. We're in 20. Yep. Yep. It was, I was at the worst health, uh, health of my life. I had come down with a mystery disease and I'm telling you, I didn't know if I would ever get better. So this is a whole new way, but I've learned a lot in a decade. And I want to ask you, we need to be helping people, educating them to bring in the healthy year, to improve the lives of children, um, to make sure that we're understanding fitness is one thing, but good deeds is also another. And that's really what we're talking about here today, right? Absolutely. Living a healthy way of life is so much more than exercise and good food. It's about um, being your best self. And most often that involves uh, doing more for others than it is just for you. Um, So we have a phenomenal opportunity for people to start to get involved in, in doing a little bit for themselves that also helps benefit others. Um, through our Commitment Day events at Lifetime yep. that are going to kick off on December the 28th and run through January 5th. All right, let's talk about Commitment Day because I love that. I love that phrase. I love the phrase commitment um, and Commitment Day because, you know, a lot of times people hear that and they are just, hmm, a little bit like, uh, I don't think I heard you say that, but let's talk about it from what you're talking <laughs> about because, right? Look, we are a Positive Talk Radio Network. We are going 10 years for this year. We're 15 years for our first podcast ever. And so the idea of one positive action is literally how you build powerful infrastructures. Tell us about this for Commitment Day. Well, you said it. It's 
it's not about trying to do everything all at once, which is what so many people have this misconception that they need to do to really be successful. And ultimately, that's the worst way to try to get yourself moving towards a successful change. In fact, it is just doing one or two small things to help you move in the right direction and, and doing those things frequently enough, often daily, until you master those habits, until you master that change. So that way you can start to layer on a couple of new things with it and start moving yourself closer to where you want to be. Again, don't bite off more than you can chew. One step in the right direction and doing that consistently is the best step you can take as you head into this brand new year. And we're so excited to offer the experiences that we're going to have over the next eight days at mm -hmm. Lifetime from the 28th to the, the 5th. Um, there's going to be events for folks of all ages. And the best part is you don't have to be a current member of Lifetime to participate in these events. You mm -hmm. can uh, stroll on over to commitmentday.com and learn about the offerings, the schedule, and how you and your family can get involved. All right. So let's talk about some things that I like to talk about here and, and get your perspective on it. I, I want to I ask you to share tips, but more than that, We've got to be talking about the antithesis of positive action, lack of time, no motivation, hmm. uh, that willpower that becomes no power. And so what have you all come up with to help people not just fire out of the gate, but to stay strong? Well, well certainly, I, I got a couple tips that I think are really awesome to help people get started and they kind of lace ni nicely into commitment days. So first of all, I love helping people understand the importance of accountability, telling people what you're up to, what it is that you're starting to uh, embark upon as you kick off this brand new year. Um, it, write it down, share it on social media and make sure that your friends, family, coworkers, whomever is in your life that can support you is aware of what you're doing. And then secondly, make sure that you actually take some time to schedule it into your days and your weeks. We so often commit to doing something different and then don't actually sit down to figure out what we have to change to make that different thing fit. So that scheduling aspect is so important. And that time that you're scheduling for your own health should be treated just like it's a doctor or a dentist appointment. So you're not moving it around willy-nilly or, or just canceling it. You got to keep it. I'm a big believer that people need a routine, but unfortunately, so many of us get bored easily by a routine. So don't be afraid to switch it up. Uh, we definitely want to invite people, not only just at commitment day, but beyond that, to try out some of the awesome signature group fitness classes that we have at Lifetime that offer such an array of experiences to get your mind, body, and soul excited about moving more from yoga to our new class ringside to upper RX, there's something for everybody. Um, and then of course, it's important to make sure you have a detailed plan with very smart, specific, measurable goals so that you're less likely to create excuses. And one of my favorite tips is to make sure that you're not aiming for perfection. Yeah. Don't say I've got to do this 100% or you're setting yourself up for failure. So aim for 80% compliance so that way you're setting yourself up for a better likelihood to succeed. And then, of course, I love the uh, the act of involving yourself in an event or doing taking a symbolic step, so to speak. And Commitment Day and the events that we have over the next week and a half are, are a really phenomenal way to do just that. Take a step in the right direction and commit to that one positive action. Yeah, I was looking at the, the uh, and I want to just make sure people have this, commitmentday.com. Uh, when you go over there, I love that you've laid this out, right? Um, and each, mm -hmm. uh, you've got like this cool schedule, right? 
that you've laid out of activities or pointing people to activities of what they could do? You know, anything from classes to events to indoor cycling to training, right? Um, yeah. what, what is it about this that has gotten you all at Lifetime so purposeful and passionate about this? What is it that you saw was a real pain point for people? So many people struggle with this new year, new you resolution mindset. And so mm. we really just wanted to give folks the opportunity to come in in a no judgment atmosphere and really just try some things out, things that are not just for them, but also for their entire family. You know, we've got the family day blizzard ball. We've got a kid's New Year's Eve party. And then on Saturday, January 4th, we've got a family workout event, which is going to be really exciting. And one of the things that's the most exciting to me and, and for us as an organization is it's not just about us and these experiences. A portion of the proceeds of the Commitment Day events that we're putting on are going to go back to two phenomenal organizations, the Make-A-Wish Foundation and the Lifetime Foundation. Wow. Um, I know these are short interviews, so I'm, I'm very mindful of time. Um, and I want to thank you. I've, I've got a couple of, of, of minutes left here. I want to ask you about this idea of being of service. You know, for us in 2020, we really are creating a new platform that we're calling AI for the soul. And it is about engagement. It's about community. It's about doing things perhaps that help people with their loneliness, with, with ways to get started, but it also has a pay it forward initiative. How important has that been for you all to look at that dimension of this? Oh goodness, being healthy is so much more than just our physical body. It's about feeling like you have a place in this world. It's about making sure that you feel that you're impacting others around you. And I think for many of us, there's different layers or levels of that that we unlock as we start to engage in different things. Um, and I, I think the first step is recognizing that it's about so much more than you. That's a very freeing thing. And, and knowing that you can positively impact the lives of others by doing small things. And it, you know, oftentimes we think of monetary donations, but it doesn't have to be that. It can be time. It can be kindness. It can be acts that you do throughout your day or, or simply teaching or helping reinforce the importance of others being kind children and, and really just embodying that good that we want to see in the world. Paying it forward is, is so powerful. And I think all of us would love to live in a world where we see and experience more kindness on a day-to-day -day basis. So if, if the listeners are just thinking about that as their one positive action, um, you know, so many feel like they have to commit to something that is fitness or food. And, you know, I'm here to tell you, it doesn't have to be fitness or food for you if that's not what calls to you. It can simply be doing good for others in whatever way works well for you. And that's going to lead to a better feeling for you as you move into the new year, as well as those around you and all of us. And, you know, the other thing I love about this, and let's jump to it and talk to it. You know, what I've noticed is, and we've done so many shows on the fact that caregivers don't take the time to take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. What do you want to say to those folks? Because we got a ton of them. Oh my goodness. Caregivers, you have a special place in my heart and in the heart of so many. You, you do so much for people who can't do for themselves. And I think it, it's that uh, very powerful and sometimes overused analogy of the, the airplane oxygen mask. You got to put it on yourself first. And if you're not taking care of you, even if it's just for short periods of time a day, either through meditation, 
pausing to actually relax for five minutes or simply taking that walk that you've been dying to take. Um, you got to do that or you're not going to be able to give your all to the people who so desperately need your energy and who you've committed to. Do your best to help uh, modulate your own stress levels. Control that cortisol that is, is running your body right now so that you can live healthier in the new year. Mm. Julie, I want to thank you for today. Uh, also, I want to make sure you give out those websites again. Uh, please also mention the work you're doing in support of Make-A-Wish. Um, and last question, I love to know your personal message for everybody today. Yeah, certainly. And for those of you who are excited and eager to learn a little bit more, head over to commitmentday.com. Uh, you'll be able to learn more about each of the destinations that we have that are offering Commitment Day events and see where you and your family and loved ones might be able to get engaged and take that one positive action. Um, and again, as you mentioned, we're partnered with the Make-A-Wish Foundation and the Lifetime Foundation. A portion of the proceeds from the Commitment Day events are going to go back to these two amazing organizations. So many of us are familiar with the Make-A-Wish Foundation and the awesome work that they do to provide positive, life-altering experiences for children who are dealing with chronic diseases and then the lifetime foundation kind of works on the opposite end of the spectrum trying to provide healthy school lunches to kids who otherwise might not have access to healthy unprocessed foods so we're so excited to be offering a portion of our proceeds back to these two organizations and i think if i can leave uh your your listeners with with one thing is to go into 2020 with a, a mindset of gratitude Look each day, start your day with something that makes you happy and that helps you exude happiness to the world around you and take a minute at the end of each day to write down at least three things that you're grateful for in the day that you just experienced. And there's something very empowering about how you can start and end a day when you do it with gratitude. Well, thank you so much more for, uh, thank you so much for this. And you know, let's rock it in 2020. That's right. Rock and roll. Yeah, boy. Hey, everybody, let's take a break. We'll be right back. Preceding audio was via a Skype call. Your inspiration all day on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Did you know that all of the shows on the Transformation Radio Network are available as podcasts to stream or download? Really? Check us out. Go to TransformationRadio.fm. We have business shows, spiritual shows, energy healing shows, and pretty much everything in between. Something for everyone guaranteed to inspire, educate, and transform. We are transforming the world one listener at a time. Are you done being afraid to jump into the life that's waiting for you? Are you ready for a real shift? I invite you to tune in every Tuesday with me, Tracy L, on The Tracy L. Clark Show, where we will teach you how to live your extraordinary life. At 8 a.m. Pacific on Transformation Talk Radio, where I will provide the tools and the steps needed to help you transcend perceived limitations and move forward with an extraordinary life. For more information, visit me at tracylclark.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Um, a number of months ago, we started to talk about what we've seen in the changes in infant mortality, as well as birth defects and other conditions that we now see on the rise for newborns. But we don't 
always talk about the good news. We don't always talk about how this is the most incredible time in a family's life. But when you are struck with something like the news of something wrong with your newborn, you go into a different mode if you're a mom. And we've had several people on the show talk about being a mom who have had children that were born into this world with situations and conditions they didn't expect. Today, Dr. Scott Adzik is joining me here today, Surgeon-in-Chief at Children's Hospital Philadelphia, to talk to us about where are we, sort of like a town hall, state of affairs, with saving and improving the lives of thousands of children worldwide. Uh, thank you, Dr. Scott, for joining me here today. You, you know, th this is a, a conversation that very few people look at, especially in the media. But if you look at it, you're looking at the rise in, how should I say it, the range of birth defects. Where are we? Can you give us sort of a rundown, sort of a state of the union as to what you found and why this is passion and purpose for you? Well, this is uh, January is birth defects awareness month, yep. so it's very difficult. Yeah. Um, a few key points about birth defects. I'm a pediatric surgeon, and I spend a lot of my time uh, repairing birth defects, both after birth and less commonly before birth, but that's what we're talking about. So the key points with birth defects, one in every 33 babies is born with a birth defect. So it's amazingly common. Your birth defects are costly. Billions of dollars are required for medical treatment. Birth defects are merciless. No parent is immune. Mm -hmm. They're mysterious. Most causes of birth defects are unknown. They're overlooked. Uh, in my view, research is underfunded, and they're deadly. Birth defects are the most common cause of infant mortality. So each year in the U.S., nearly 150,000 babies are born with birth defects. With And many are conditions so rare, most parents and even some clinicians have never heard of them. So we found that these families aren't made aware of the treatments available at a place like our Center for Fetal Diagnosis and Treatment. They're left feeling overwhelmed with few options. So being on, on your show helps uh, educate yeah. people. Yeah. Well, uh, for many people that, you know, right now we're in the pop culture uh, here looking at all of these uh, movie awards. Uh, so we went from the Golden Globes to the Critic Choice Awards, getting ready for the Oscars. And one of the world's greatest known uh, actors on screen, uh, you know, to look at him, you might not see it. But when you step back, he is someone that experienced uh, birth defects. And I'm talking about Joaquin Phoenix. And so yeah, he, he had a clap left in power. Exactly. And so besides looking at this from, uh, you know, a societal perspective, the science around this, though, has accelerated exponentially to save lives and perhaps even prevent this, right? Well, uh, with regard to cleft lip and palate, it's interesting in our Department of Surgery meeting this morning, one of our researchers gave an entire lecture on the causes of cleft lip and palate what might be able to be done in the future biologically with gene therapy to, to treat this before birth. We have a huge cranial facial center here. Most cases of cleft lip and pallor are now diagnosed before birth. This is not something we do surgery on before birth, yeah. of course, because the risks exceed the benefits in this particular case because it's not life-threatening. And treatments after birth with our skilled plastic surgeons are very good, but you're 
you're you're right. And if you're thinking about film awards, you, you might be interested, and your listeners might be interested, that we had a PBS special, three one-hour episodes called called uh, uh, Twice Born, yeah. stories from the special delivery unit that w- actually won an Emmy. How about yeah. that? Yeah, no, that's that. How about that? That's awesome. So, did, w- would you like to hear about some? Uh, particular birth defects that we repair before birth? What I'd like to, yes. Not only would I like to hear about that, but what I think uh, our listeners are interested in is the progression of the science. Because, you know, we look at things in a very limited way sometimes, and we're not usually made aware of the awe that science is making to save lives. And and this, this is one of them that we need to talk about because... It's almost futuristic, but it's now. <laughs> right. So I, I can give a couple of yeah, examples please. of we do now. But then um, even more interestingly, perhaps, what we have planned uh, for the future, we have big plans. So two examples. The two most common fetal surgeries we do are first, uh, fetoscopic laser therapy for twin-twin transfusion syndrome, which I'll explain. And the second one is fetal surgery for spina bifida, which we pioneered. Yeah. Uh, and I'll just talk about that, and then yeah. I'll talk about the future, which will be stem cell transplants, gene therapy, and the artificial womb. So first, twin-twin transfusion syndrome. That's known as TTTS. Here's the setup. Uh, pregnant mother, of course, with twins, identical twins in the uterus, each in their own separate amniotic sac. U- usually twins have their own placenta, one each. In this, in this particular circumstance, there's one placenta that's shared, and there are abnormal blood vessels that go from one side of the placenta to the other, such that from the mother, one twin gets too much blood and goes into heart failure and has an excess of amniotic fluid, and the other twin doesn't get enough blood and goes into kidney failure and doesn't produce amniotic fluid, which is basically fetal urine. Those twins will go on to die unless we do fetoscopic laser therapy. So we put a scope through the mother's abdominal wall, through the uterine wall, visualize the placenta with the scope, and use a laser fiber to photocoagulate or occlude the culprit unpaired blood vessels going from one side to the other with very good results. In most cases, both twins can be saved. Second example, fetal surgery for spina bifida. So what's spina bifida? Well, spina bifida occurs early in gestation, early in the pregnancy, when the normal tissues, bone and skin and fascia, uh, don't form around the spinal cord, and the higher the defect is on the spine, the more nerves are affected. So these are children when treated after birth or the wheelchair kids uh, who also have hydrocephalus or require a shunt tube. We found that if you do the repair before birth, you can mitigate many of these ill effects, and children who have spina bifida repair before birth, which involves a big operation for the mom. She goes to sleep. We open her abdomen. We open the uterus with a stapling device. And then we close the spina bifida defect before birth and then close everything up. And then those children who have the repair before birth have a much higher likelihood of having more normal leg function, the ability to walk, a decreased incidence of hydrocephalus, decreased need for one of those shunt tubes. So those are just two current examples and there are many others. Now Yeah. But we're 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 talking like we're talking like fifteen hundred plus babies born with spina bifida. In the U.S. Right. Yeah. So, so that translates to about 30 per week, yeah. about five in, in the U.S. alone. Yeah. Yeah. 
this is uh, this is what I mean uh, when I reference sort of the the sci-fi futuristic because what you just described is literally something that we look at as something in the future. But what you all are doing is you're bringing it to real time. You're bringing it to say, hey, wait a minute, we have figured this out. What's on the horizon for you? And, and well, how can all, people you know, find out more? Well, first first of all, you, you can go to our website, which mm-hmm. is uh, at CHOP, which is fetalsurgery.chop.edu. Fetalsurgery, one word, dot CHOP, C-H-O-P dot E-D-U. But on the horizon uh, are three developments. One is in utero stem cell transplantation to treat cellular deficiency diseases that can be diagnosed like sickle cell anemia. Secondly, uh, in utero gene editing to treat prenatally diagnosed genetic abnormalities by using CRISPR technology to cut out the the bad gene and put it in a good gene. Mm-hmm. So that's we've shown proof of principle in animal studies. And that, I think, eventually will be applied clinically. The stem cell transplant stuff is ready to apply in the next year or so for sickle cell anemia. The third development is where we've done, done work to develop the artificial womb. Again, in animal models, fetal sheep, we've shown that in the artificial womb, we, we can sustain a, a fetal lamb who couldn't survive outside the artificial womb for four to five weeks with normal growth and development by cannulating the umbilical vessels, oxygenator, and then they're in a fluid environment. So we hope to, and I think this is a real possibility, within the next year or so, start to apply this clinically to babies born at 23, 24, 25 weeks gestation, or term is 40 weeks. Those kids now, with current technology, have a very high mortality rate, and those who survive, a very high complication rate. And if they could just have four to five more weeks, that would make a world of difference. Yeah. You know, this is really for me, when I think about the work that you all are doing, um, there's absolutely an element of this that we need to talk about for a minute. And that is how this instills hope where there wasn't any. And I I think about this, uh, Dr. Scott, and I think about what you all are doing. And I know you're, you, you know, this is fantastic science and medicine. But the other side of it is, you bring a new level of hope and a new level of joy into what it really means to give birth. And, you know, what is the early diagnosis of this? Because I, and I know I've got like two minutes left, but, but how does this even get diagnosed? Have we developed science to do this like early enough to make a difference? Right. So m- most of the fetal surgeries we do are between uh, 19 and 26 weeks gestation. Most Mothers in the U.S., most pregnant mothers, have an ultrasound done at 18 to 20 weeks gestation. And virtually all the anatomic birth defects with a good ultrasound should, should be able to be detected. Mm-hmm. There are additional diagnostic modalities. Fetal MRI, for example, we invented that in the late 90s. So now that's spread worldwide. So you get additional information, particularly about the mm-hmm. fetal brain and support. And the third development, which has a bright future, is non-invasive prenatal testing. Mm. which involves taking a maternal blood sample, a blood sample from the mom, and there are fetal cells and fetal DNA in small quantities in the maternal blood. And those can be ferreted out and analyzed, and one can rule out uh, genetic abnormalities like trisomies. But that's going to become much more sophisticated to be able to diagnose most genetic problems in fetuses with a simple maternal blood Mm -hmm. draw. Wow. I, first of all, thank you so much for bringing this information to our our audience. Um, I have just one last thing. 
please give us the website again. And then I'd like to know your personal message. What would you like to leave us with here today, Dr. Scott? Um, well, the, the website is fetalsurgery.chop.edu. So fetalsurgery.chop.edu. The message is um, unlucky. It's truly inspiring to see so many children who as babies and fetuses likely would have died now running around and growing up healthy and strong. Yeah. Thank you so very, very much. Hey, thank you, everybody. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Stuck in a roundabout of dysfunction? Learn how to speak your truth to power with host Dr. Kathy Obear. Create real change with smart tools and smart strategies. No frills, no fluff, just life-changing conversations to help get you where you want to be. Extend your reach and become an agent for real change with Kathy Obear. For more information on Kathy and her work, please visit drkathyobear.com. That's drkathyobear.com. Introducing the Lucid Planet, a digital gathering place featuring cutting-edge, high-vibrational content that will empower and inspire you to become the greatest version of yourself. Visit the Lucid Planet today to stimulate your mind, body, and soul as you connect with a global community of like-minded people. The Lucid Planet is edited by renowned psychologist and author, Dr. Kelly Neff, who is here to help you cope with anxiety, connect to your higher purpose, uncover your true passions, and live your dreams. Dr. Kelly's fresh, compassionate perspective emphasizes growth, transformation, healing, and thriving, even in the face of adversity. Say goodbye to bad news and low vibrational media for good and become part of the larger collective of people working together to navigate the global shift of consciousness and transform the world from within. Join the planet, the Lucid Planet. Visit thelucidplanet.com. Welcome home. Dream on, lie high, and live adventurously on The Laura Meeks Show. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio as host Laura Meeks guides you in finding your unique gifts and bringing them to life. As a certified life coach, speaker, and veteran bomber pilot for the U.S. Air Force, Laura knows how to follow a dream. She is ready to support you so you can dream on, fly high, and live adventurously. For more information on Laura and her work, visit flyhighliving.com. Living Lighter Radio with Jason and Patricia. We have an ecosystem approach to your life. Tune in weekly every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific on Transformation Talk Radio as we, Jason and Patricia, discuss what's truly holding you back. We offer you the tools you need to reach your goals and at the same time be living lighter. For more information about Living Lighter, visit www.livinglighter.org. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Look, at this is our good news segment. But for most of you, you have heard us talk about something extraordinary we're creating in the broadcasting world. And it starts with the letters A-I. And you're thinking to yourself, well, wait a minute. What has that got to do with this positive talk radio network? Well, everything. But here's who we are going to talk with about it. Sarah Evans joining us here today, consumer social media and tech expert. There are trends 
that most of us in our lifetime didn't even believe was going to manifest in front of us. But guess what? This is just the tip of the iceberg as we're looking at the Consumer Electronics Show and what some of the hottest items are. Sarah, it's great to have you. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, you get to live in a playground every day. Like you're like on the monkey bars and on the swings and just having the best time of your life, right? I am. You know, I have two little kids, so that is very accurate. <laughs> um, you know, when we came out with our new technology initiative uh, and made our announcement about it, and it began with the letters AI, I don't know if you can imagine what our community said about that. But we know what we're building. We know why we're building. And it doesn't change the landscape of who we are as the Transformation Network. It just connects more people. I want to ask you, is this a way of life? And what is the best way we can explain this level of connectivity to people, no matter where you are in the world or what you're doing? It's really interesting that you just used the words that you did because each year for CES, when I get my preliminary overview, I come up with a theme of what I really think the takeaway is. And this year for the show, I, I said it's connected life, real community. Yeah. That we've seen such major advancements in technology that now is the time it's becoming less siloed. And it's showing that humans and consumers uh, are creating more opportunities to really engage in real life. And we're watching the tech be able to work better in that way. Yeah. And it's so interesting you mentioned it because that is exactly what um, we're doing based on the technology we built in broadcasting. But here's the thing. We're not building it in a silo. And this is the question I want to ask you about the hottest trends. Um, we when we asked, we asked our listeners and we asked our hosts, what do you want us to build? And they told us. And what is it we need to do to get past the stigma that perhaps surrounds technology for some people? I think sometimes it can be a little scary. Uh, you know, I'm a, a Cox Communications customer, and one of the things I learned was that 73% of grandparents own smartphones. So I look at that, you know, uh, aging audience, and they might be a little fearful. Well, now they have a program where a technician will come to your home and teach a grandparent, how to better connect with their grandchildren through all of the technology at their disposal, whether it's their computer, their smart home, um, obviously all reliant on a strong broadband connection. So I think looking even in an unlikely source of someone who is a wealth of knowledge to just get ed educated is the first step. We can be fearful of what we don't know. So if somebody can help us understand and at a level that is comfortable for us, I think that that really helps. Um, and, and one of the trends just from CES at this show is technology that doesn't require charging, that is, is water resistant. It's something called NFC. Um, it is near field communication. It's what you use if you use Apple Pay or, or any device where you tap to pay. We're seeing that integrated in things like health wearables. So tech doesn't even have to be what we originally thought of. Yeah, that's what I, I was so excited to talk with you about because this is not where we stay within the realm of what we know. This is an opportunity to reach far beyond what we know or what we think is possible because I think that's where we are with the consumers. They really want us to take a look at not the average everyday stuff. They want us to take a look at what can you provide me with to give me a better life? 
to connect me with people that might be able to provide me a solution. What are you finding at CES this year that, that you think is in the realm of that? Well, I'm really among the camp of people who want to see how smart tech can improve our cities and our environments, making it a better place for our children. I don't want to be so connected that I don't leave my home. I'm using tech to be able yeah. to be more efficient when I'm in and out of the home. And I will tell you, at CES, the coolest thing isn't even at the show floor. It is nearby, and it's the new Raiders Stadium in Las Vegas. It is set to become the most connected stadium in the country, thanks to Cox Communications with 40 gig internet connection and 1,700 Wi-Fi hotspots. Uh, and that's an example of something that is possible. Toyota just announced it's building a smart city near Mount Fuji, 175 acres. They're going to be experimenting with different ways of even transportation with autonomous vehicles, bikes and scooters, and walking. Uh, and nearby Las Vegas, the city of Henderson, Cox Communications is testing smart lighting and water meters this year. It's something they're going to roll out to cities across the country with other smart applications. So we're going to see how these things can actually make things better. So what can we do to be more connected, but also be more connected in real life? You know, this is really what a, one of the things that I was so excited to talk with you about, because, you know, look, we have been deemed in the United States the most anxious uh, uh, country in the world. Um, and I'm not just making that up. I'm talking about study after study that has been recently done. And so when I think about that, you know, especially with my background, I ask myself, what can we do to help people in that arena? And that's really what we're building because here we live. And if we're not connecting people, right, to have a lifestyle that will help them rise up, then isn't technology sort of an empty vehicle for things? It is. Uh, so, you know, you, you have a purpose for why you're using it. And, and sometimes, you know, as, as the mother of two young children, technology is integrated in a few ways, whether it's through education or entertainment. Yeah. And I want to make sure that I can provide the safest environment for them. So as a Cox customer, making sure that I set good, you know, parental uh, safety settings and, and being able to educate them on how to use, use things and being knowledgeable myself so I don't set them up for failure uh, or to not be secure with their online habits. So it's important to me to educate not only them, but obviously all consumers. And I love having a great partner with Cox to make sure that can really happen. I want to ask you, because we um, one of our broadcast networks on the East Coast um, is, uh, uh, you know, let, let me just say Cox-driven uh, in terms of how we broadcast. And I want to ask you, what is it about this organization that has gotten them fired up uh, to be a leader in, in this arena? They're listening to consumers. And I think yeah. hands down, that's the number one thing. And they're also present at places like CES to keep their hands on the pulse of either what's available or what's coming, matching that with what the needs are and being ready for the future. I already have gigabit internet speeds in my home and 99% of consumers who are our customers across the country have access to that. So they were already ready. They knew in, by 2020, we were going to have X number of connected devices, which I know I blew that out of the water. <laughs> uh, and they're already prepared to meet that. They're prepared for 10 gig coming down the pipeline. So it's being, you know, listening to consumers, being forward thinking and, and keeping 
a pulse on what is happening now. Yeah, isn't part of this too, Sarah, isn't part of this also being scalable? And what I mean by that is not just the, not just with the power uh, of what can be delivered and received, but also in the pricing. Because I think that's the area that we look at. And you nailed, you, you said something earlier that I just want to piggyback on. Weekend internet use, broadcasting, podcasting, the fastest growing segment are people over 60. And so, you know, for me, when I think about that, I think about how do we get, how do we get this technology in the hand of people, all people, regardless of what their social economic status is? I think there are, there are programs rolling out across the country to help with this, but I think it also means being a good neighbor and checking yeah. in and see how we can help people individually, whether it's a way we can donate older devices, partnering with schools, making donations, uh, calling out our, you know, corporate opportunities where people can assist and help. But I'd say a lot of companies are taking initiative to identify areas of need. I know Cox Communications does it in many communities where they are to provide uh, access, whether it's through devices or internet connectivity uh, in lower income areas, especially important for schools so that um, we have, uh, you know, a fair system that all ch children have access to devices so they can learn um, uh, learn at the, at the mm -hmm. same speed and have the same access. So uh, extremely important. So people could go to Cox.com, correct, to find out more there? Of course. Anything that I've mentioned and also getting uh, awesome updates on smart cities, streaming options, and smart home advancements because it continues to change and evolve. I want to ask you, I know you got to run, one last question. I want to talk with you about the potentiality of a smart stadium because it's, it's more than just a one singular event. It really sets a lot of things in motion. Can you enlighten us on that? Sure. I mean, I know I mentioned the Raiders Stadium, yeah. but I, I also think it's bigger than that. It, this sets the precedence for stadiums of the future. What opportunities can come of this? And what does that mean to have 1,700 Wi-Fi hotspots? How people can share and connect and come on site uh, for other things, maybe other than sports, uh, a lifestyle moment. Um, and the 40 gig internet connection shows what is actually possible. These aren't just theoretical numbers that we're saying it's actually going to exist. So how can that be available for other same size, not just stadiums, but communities and cities? If we say it works here, where else can it work? Mm. Sarah, thank you for today. One last question. What's your personal message? What do you want to leave us with today? I, I think for me, it's, it's be kind to one another, go forth and do good and keep that uh, kind of as a, as a daily mantra. I tell my children every morning before school, listen, laugh and learn. And I think that's something we can uh, keep with us every day of the year. Wow. Thank you so much, Sarah Evans, everybody. And I got to tell you, this is a blockbuster year for what Sarah is talking about. Uh, please, those of you that have the opportunity to go to the Consumer Electronics Show, do so. Those of you that want to find out more, go to Cox.com. Thank you, Sarah. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. All right, everybody, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Has your buzz for life buzzed off? Feeling ignored, invisible, and wondering if this is really all there is? 
The years go by faster as we gain momentum. You're halfway there. Are you gathering speed or puttering out? Hit your stride for the liberating half of life. Comfortable in your skin? You can do better than that. Tune in to Discovering You Again Radio as host Susan Axelrod encourages listeners to decide what they want, get inspired to action, and face challenges head on. Host Susan Axelrod pulls no punches, encouraging you to grab the brass ring and soar. For more information about Susan, go to www.whatwillyourlegacybe.com. Inspire. Create. Empower. Only on TransformationTalkRadio.com. You know what? When people say, oh, it's time to kick off the new year. Okay, guess what? Here's the news slash we got. 2020 is really different than any other year that has come before. Why? Uh, I could go into the numerology, but I'll waste a whole lot of time and you're not going to hear from my fabulous <laughs> guest today. The bottom line is this is a new year, but it's also a new decade. You know, the Dr. Pat show has had a tagline for 16 years. Talk radio to thrive by. But then why isn't it we can't thrive in all areas of my life? your life, their life. Why? Well, Anna Kaiser is going to talk to us about that. And so is Christine Hodgson. Why? Because they are taking it to the streets in a way that you're not going to believe. Uh, I want to talk with both of you, but Anna, let's kick it off with you. Celebrity fitness trainer, and that is an understatement, but this <laughs> is a special year. And what you are doing is very, very, very special ask you this question, both of you. What is it about your conversation now with me and our listeners that is getting you so fired up, you're jumping out of your skin right now? <laughs> well, I am thrilled and very excited to partner with Lily yeah. um, for the Thriver Movement. Yep. And um, we are actually today launching the 30-Day Thriver Challenge to help raise awareness and funds to improve support for people living with metastatic breast cancer. That's right. So I wanted to get involved because I think a lot of people have heard um, or been educated around breast cancer, but not metastatic breast cancer, which is the only breast cancer that is terminal. Yeah. And so we want to provide more solutions for patients currently living with metastatic breast cancer yep. and some tips and tricks and life hacks and support in the new year. When you know, so many of us are coming back from holidays and it's hard for us to motivate, but imagine how difficult it is for them to motivate on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, I totally get it. You know, myself with a chronic illness uh, and a long-term chronic illness, I get it, but nothing like what Christine, you're about to talk about, because I want to make sure everybody here understands. We are yes. saying terms that go like this. Help me out with this. All right. We're saying, ready? Metastatic, metastatic breast cancer, thriving, like in the same sentence. That's what yes. we're talking about, Christine, right? Yeah, and it, it might sound like an oxymoron, but the <laughs> truth is um, there are many uh, patients with metastatic breast cancer uh, living full lives, although I will say um, this is a very serious disease, yep. and 
about 40,000 women and men will die from metastatic breast cancer this year. And on that average, it's about 113 people a day. And these, these statistics are staggering. I mean, we need to make sure that we're supporting uh, this community, making sure that research needs are met and making sure that the patient's needs are met. Uh, I've been diagnosed now for, uh, or I'm sorry, I was diagnosed in 2015. Mm-hmm. I will be approaching my fifth year um, as a metastatic patient, and the average lifespan is about half of that. So, um, and every person is different. So, you know, I know people that have been living with metastatic disease for, for 18 years. That's not the norm, but uh, on average, it's about 2.5 years. So, uh, we are facing some significant yeah. challenges uh, managing side effects and symptoms which uh, come from our indefinite treatments. We never get to be off of treatment because we mm-hmm. are constantly managing our disease. Yeah. So um, it's very important, I think, to – I love this initiative. I think it's a really important, uh, you know, we need to be making sure that this community um, can find these recommendations for helping them you know, not just stay fit. I think it's really important to also make sure that the mental health needs are oh. being taken care of and addressed as well, because the fear and anxiety oh. um, that go along with a chronic uh, illness, and we, we actually, we, we, we don't like to call metastatic breast cancer chronic. I know. Because chronic implies that you it's actually treatable and that you may live a full life without um, dying from your disease. But most people who have metastatic breast cancer will eventually die from their disease. So um, just a lot of unmet needs in the community, and I just think that Lily is doing a wonderful job partnering with Anna, partnering with members of the community, and making sure that we are meeting the needs of our both our physical and mental health. Yeah. And to your question, yeah. Dr. Pat, yeah. um, because they will not survive, right. we want to help them thrive. And yeah. that's where those two words are connected. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Anna, because I forgot to say that. that um, <laughs> many, of us, many of us don't like to use the word survivor. Survivor implies that you you, you beat it, you're done, it's over. And so um, when you're still in treatment, it doesn't really feel like you survived it, but it does feel like you can still live a life. You can still thrive with this disease. And that's what we're trying to help maintain for these patients. Yeah. Let me tell you, my bad on this. I'm going to have my producers edit out the word chronic. The bottom line for me, (laughs) because you're right. I mean, look, I've been doing this 16 years. When I mess up, (laughs) when I mess up, I'm all about fixing that. Listen, the thing I love about this is that one, I know what the impact is of having a disease. You took this and turned it around, Christine, but partnering with Anna, you are like the dynamic duo of this because (laughs) we have got to really let people say, yes, this is me, but I can live a life that is about that. Let's talk about what the word thriving means, if we may, for a little bit. And I know I have a short interview here, so I want to get to it. This 30-day Thriver Challenge. And Lily, yeah, thank you. Tell us what it's about. And I want to make sure people know how to get involved. Because I coach women that have pretty much any kind of disease on the mindset. That's what I learned about my own condition. That's what you both just talked about. Let's talk about what this challenge does to change, transform, pump it up, 
and bring a little bit of joy and slap happy into the conversation. Yeah, the purpose of the challenge is to provide 30 days of mindfulness activities and life hacks for the MBC community. So what I would love um, to have happen is that there is something every day that they can wake up and say, oh, that is what I'm going to try to do today. Because maybe it is taking two minutes to um, to do some deep breathing exercises at noon and at four every day this week. Um, that we are giving them lots of support and tools and um, tips to um, focus on something new every day. And I'd love for as many people as possible to go to this Facebook page, regardless of whether they are part of the NBC community or not, and offer your uh, daily inspiration. Yeah. Or even if it's just one um, life hack yeah. that you think could make someone stay better. It w it's just, it goes so far. I had one that I mentioned to Anna before, which is to go to sleep in your workout clothes. Yes! And then you, that's an idea for anyone. Yes! <laughs> then you wake up and you, you know, you can just put on your shoes. You don't have to think about it. You're just, you're ready to go and you can get on with your day. And, and to be fair, like when I'm speaking about a workout routine, it's really different for metastatic breast cancer patients. I used to run half marathons. Yeah. Um, I was a very avid runner and I can't run anymore. I have to do different things. So, I think part of thriving is accepting these new changes that you have in your life and, and really appreciating what you, you know, appreciating what you do have left to do. And, and for me, I found a lot of other outlets because I'm not able to run. So now I can do a lot of other different things. So yeah, it's, it's important though. Yeah. I know I've got a minute or so left. I want to make sure we give out the website. So can we start with that first? Yes. You can get more information on the website, moreforMBC.com as well as Facebook page at more for NBC. Yeah, I, a few minutes left. I got just like, well, no, actually I got no minutes left. I want to ask you both, last question. I want to know what your personal message is because you know, here's what I think we learn when we step out on this platform. It is exactly like you said. It's for me, we've defined this as awareness plus acceptance plus possibilities equals thriving. And I think for you, what is your message to people so that folks go over here and get involved and help raise the level of awareness? Yeah, I mean, for me, it is it is just that simple. Please go over okay. and give one tip. That's all we're asking. You don't need to donate. You don't need to do anything else. We're just asking you to support the community mm -hmm. and just head on over to that Facebook page and, um, you know, give your pearls of wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the message, I, I always, this is, I've been asked this question a lot. And I think the one message that um, I, I really needed when I got diagnosed was that I wasn't alone. Um, and, and that might sound kind of cheesy, but the truth is yeah. uh, it really felt like I was the only 34 year old diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer. I, I really didn't know anybody else that even had cancer. So um, I just, I always tell people there is somebody actually out there with probably a very similar situation and um, you can find them. I mean, I think Facebook is a really great start, I think, with this challenge and going to the Add More for NBC um, Facebook site, you'll, you'll be able to connect with people that you otherwise would not be able to. So I think it's, uh, I think it's 
really important for the community. Okay, sorry, we have to we have to wrap. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, Dr. we're Pat. gonna roll right now, but you know, let me say to everybody, we're gonna take a short break. I'm gonna be posting this on Facebook right now. All right, everybody, we'll be right back. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.